Amen. Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, we're going to have our lesson out of Luke chapter 2, but before I do that, I want to go through some announcements. So you can be turning over there as we get started. Uh, first of all, I want to remind us about a, a number of Christmas parties that's going to be happening this Friday. Uh, one, we'll have a teen Christmas party that's going to be happening here uh, at the facility. There's also going to be a campus Christmas party here at the facility. And then there's going to be a singles Christmas party here at the facility as well. So this Friday is all kind of party day in all kind of ways. So if you have a teenager and you're, uh, yeah, we're just here, party time. But also there's going to be an all-city, all-New York City Devo this Saturday for the singles as well. So you're going to party Friday, you're going to party Saturday, y'all just going to have a get-down, boogie-down time in the Bronx. Uh, but this upcoming Wednesday is our church Christmas party. So we're going to have a potluck Christmas party. It's going to be a lot of food, a lot of fun. It's just going to be a partying week, guys. And you know what? There's a lot of people looking for some clean, great fun. I think we need to get out and invite people, share with them, and invite them to what we're doing. Amen? Also, uh, we had discussed earlier, but I just want to remind us, we're going to start more of an arts ministry in our region here. Uh, so if you have any kind of desire, uh, there's going to be a meeting next Sunday, another follow-up meeting next Sunday after church uh, with Larry Bunch and other people who are artistic. And uh, uh, But just a reminder, whether you're, it's in the singing, whether it's uh, poetry, dancing, and the like, if you want to be a part of that, please, anybody can join. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, after service today, the youth and family, if you want to be a part of helping with the uh, the Christmas service that's coming up, the youth and family is going to be putting on some things. So if you are a part of that, I want to remind you there's a meeting after church. Or if you want to be a part of helping the youth and family uh, with their Christmas uh, assistance for the service, all that will be after service today in the library for the youth and family helpful part of service. Amen? All right, that's all my announcements for today. I, uh, I'm going to have to take a note from our brother Juan at some point because my LASIK is wearing off, and I've just been procrastinating getting glasses. Uh, so eventually it's going to happen. Um, just not sure when. Got to get over that, that look. But on another note, I have a sermon that's going to help you like Christmas, Juan. Um, we don't want to have a Scrooge in our congregation, so waiting for Christmas. You know, it's hard to wait for Christmas because Christmas is near. And as you notice, people are all out on the street shopping. This will be my first Christmas in New York, so I know it's going to be crazy, the traffic and everything, but it is what it is. But of all people, kids have a hard time waiting for Christmas. Here's some actual Christmas letters from some different kids. Dear Santa Claus, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. But if you are real hungry, you can use our phone and call Uber Eats. A letter from a four-year-old. I'll take anything because I've not been good. <laughs> I'm not going to say what, four-year-old. Another letter. Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm wild. And our last letter. Dear Santa, I'm not going to ask for a lot. Here's my list. iPhone 8. Two packs of number two pencils. Computer. And the big gift, my own color TV. Well, maybe you could drop the pencils. I don't want to be really selfish. It is what it is. But honestly, Christmas is associated with waiting. Waiting to wake up the next morning. Waiting for Santa Claus. Waiting for dinner, a Christmas dinner. So let me ask you a question as we start out. What are you waiting for this Christmas? Think about it. What are you expecting this Christmas? 
What are you wanting this Christmas? In the Gospel of Luke, we come across two characters who make an appearance in the Christmas story. Not the movie Christmas story, in the biblical Christmas story. One is named Simeon, the other Anna. And they don't appear in any nativity. They don't appear on Christmas cards. But there is something about these two. They're just like you and me. They are waiting for Christmas. Actually, they're waiting for someone at Christmas. And Luke uses a Greek word of anticipation that identifies them with waiting and expectation. See, when you're waiting, it's, it's an anticipation of something happening. It literally means, in the Greek, alert to his appearance or ready to welcome him. That's what they're waiting for, the Messiah, or waiting for his appearance, waiting to welcome the Messiah. So in Luke chapter 2, we're going to go to verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was a righteous, he was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon, it says he was waiting for the consolation. In other words, that, that's comfort. Consolation means the act of comforting or being consoled. He was waiting for comfort. And he was a righteous man, but yet he was still waiting for the comfort. See, the nation of Israel, things had not been going so well for them. God hadn't spoken to the prophets in years. They were under Roman rule. They had lost their political independence, and they were living under fear of King Herod. So they were just waiting. When is the Messiah going to come? Our life is miserable. This is horrible. We need comfort. So they were looking for the Messiah to come to give them comfort. Look at verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law had required. This shows us that Simeon had a good reason for waiting for Jesus. Because it had been revealed to him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah come. So he's waiting in expectation. He's focused on the comfort of Christ. The comfort that Christ would bring. Now, among the Jews, Simeon's day, uh, that was one of the popular titles for the Messiah. Comforter. The God of all comfort. And like some of the Christmas songs we sing, we're longing for the Messiah to come and bring us comfort. Now, it, it's amazing, but being comforted is a universal human need that we all have. Because many times we feel loneliness, emptiness insecurity. Christmas time especially, this is one of the times that people have the most depression of all times at Christmas. Now you would think the birth of Jesus, the time of the Messiah, why would we be so discouraged and depressed? Because sometimes we look for the wrong thing. It says the Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple courts just as the right time as Mary and Joseph was walking in with the baby. Has something like that ever happened to you that it, it, the timing was so perfect you had to know this was not just a coincidence. This was God doing something right here. You know, there was a time, there was one time when I was in the fire department where we were going into this house. It was like just an older, older kind of home. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big house, a smaller house. And it was on fire. So it was, you know, we're just going to do our normal thing. So you get the hose and you're sitting out. I'm sitting in front of the door. I wait for the captain to circle around. And he, you can't see in a fire, so he puts his hand on you. So I'm down here, and I'm in my poles waiting to go with the holes, and he taps me, so we start walking in. And then all of a sudden, the cord kinked up for some reason, it, it, the hose. It never does that because there's so much force in there, but we couldn't move it. 
So we stopped for a quick second and jerked it, and then he said, go ahead. As we walked ahead, it went pow, and a shotgun shell blew the door out right in front of me. This was actually a meth house. And one of the things they do, they hang up shotgun shells so the fire will start to shoot the shotgun shells off to prevent firefighters from going in and putting the fire out and seeing the evidence. So that's how they get rid of a lot of the meth houses. But if that cord didn't kink up right at that time, I would have been right in line with that shotgun shell going off right in front of me. And I think, what are the timings of something like that? That's not just a coincidence. God, has, God does things in our lives to help us. So when Simeon looked at baby Jesus, who's now about six weeks old, he knew God's promise had been kept. Here's Emmanuel, God with us, everything. Guys, is this how we hold on to God's promises? He was waiting, and here's Jesus, six weeks old. He didn't know how long before the Messiah was to come, but he was at least being patient and just longing and waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. Not for his life to change, but for that promise to be fulfilled. Guys, are we longing for Jesus' promises to be fulfilled in our lives? Some of us have kids that may not be on the right track, may not be on the narrow path. Are you just longing for that promise in God's word that says no matter which way they go, once they know the truth, they will turn and come back to us? Is that a promise we're hanging on to? You know, he promises us if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to us as well. He promises us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We say, my heart is not being fulfilled. Are we delighting ourselves in the Lord? See, that's the first part of the promise. You got to do your part, then God to do his part. And look at how he reacted. Look in verse 28. Simeon again. Simeon took him in his arm after seeing Mary and Joseph, went over to baby Jesus, took him in his arms, and praised God. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all people, a light of re for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Simeon reaches down. He takes Jesus from Mary and Joseph. Now, first of all, that'd be a little strange, wouldn't it? You walk in the church and somebody you don't even know, come up, give me that baby. Woo! Oh, I feel good. You're like, what is going on with him? He's so excited because he's got baby Jesus and he knows this is a salvation. So he is partying. I don't know what he said. I forgot the movie. But you know what I'm saying. Imagine it. You'd be like, put my baby down. What you doing with my baby up there? I know some of y'all ladies. I know y'all good enough in five months. I'd be like, no, -uh, you better put my baby Jesus down. <laughs> but he is so excited because he's been waiting for that comfort for so long. And finally, the comfort is here. And he cannot control his enthusiasm. He can't control his excitement. Because he's been waiting for this Christmas. There's another person here, Anna. Look in verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel from the, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. See, the other Christmas character here is Anna. Her husband had died, and she dedicated herself to fasting and praying. The Bible says she never left the temple. She worshiped day and night. Now, when the Bible says something, you know that's definitely true. 
She never even left church. She stayed. You talk about being committed. She stayed there day and night. Why? Because she was waiting for something. Well, what was she waiting for? It says here, to be very clear, I'm going to read it to you. It says at the end of verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child who were, who, to all who were looking forward. All right, I'm going to get those glasses. I ain't lying. I'm going to get those glasses, y'all. I'm going to quit playing around. I got to quit playing around. Because everything just got blurry. I feel like I was doing Stranger Things or something. I was like, what happened here? But she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. See, she wasn't waiting for comfort. She was talking about the redemption that came. But what is the redemption? That's the forgiveness. The redemption means, okay, someone is broken out of slavery, taken away from slavery. So now they have forgiveness. So she is longing for the forgiveness that comes with the Messiah. See, this is something for us to understand. The Old Testament, uh, when the Passover occurred, when they released all the slaves from the Egyptians, they looked at that as the symbolic symbol of forgiveness because they were set free from slavery, physical slavery. Well, now when Jesus comes, they're going to have redemption from the slavery of sin that is there. So she is looking forward to the redemption, the forgiveness that's going to come from the Messiah. Many of us, find ourselves in the same position because we all have some past scars that hurt us and not allow us to fully enjoy the reason for the season. Sometimes there's things that have happened to us not just years ago but last week that can hinder us from really embracing what's going on. But what we got to see here, one was waiting for comfort, one was waiting for forgiveness. Either way, Jesus will provide whatever we need. And that's the thing to see. That's what we got to ask ourselves. Jesus will, it doesn't matter what it is. We even have a song, Jesus will fix it. Because it doesn't matter what your problem is, Jesus is going to fix it. We got a song, Jesus is the answer. Why? Because whatever the question is, he's the answer. We talk about it, we sing about it, but do we believe it in our hearts? I got a problem, so let me figure this thing out. No, 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 let Jesus figure this thing out. Sometimes we refer back to our own strength so much that we leave Jesus out. And you know what? That can happen this time of year because we hear the Christmas story so many times. We just become numb to the story of Jesus' birth because we know we're going to start hearing it and we know what's going on. And I've heard it since I was three or four. You know what? It's not that big a deal. It's a huge deal because what Jesus provides, he will meet every individual need in this room. See, he's not just saying I'm just going to give a general blanket blessing. He said, I know you personally. And I'm willing to come into your life personally and bless you with whatever your specific need is. Looking at all this, there's three action steps we need to take in order to get the meaning of Christmas back into our heart. To, to anticipate and welcome Christmas. Three simple things we need to do. First of all, we need to become a marveler. A marveler. What do I mean? Look in Luke chapter 2, verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. The first thing, Mary and Joseph... He picks their baby up. He starts talking about this is the salvation of us all. And they stood there and, and they weren't offended because obviously Simeon didn't look very harmful. Because if he did, they probably would have grabbed the baby back. So there was something about him that allowed them to have some kind of comfort. It would be like Miss Marie coming to grab your baby. And you'd be like, oh, she's just going to dance for a while. Ain't nothing wrong with her. She's a good woman. And you just feel a little comforted with that. And that's fine. But then if you get somebody like Felix grabbing your baby, you'd be like, hold on, hold on. 
But it said they marveled at what was said about their child. Verse 30, 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You know, he's not saying Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He's saying, listen, listen, there's going to be issues that are going to occur from your child. Even in your own heart, you're going to be pierced. And you've got to understand, Jesus is here to meet the needs, but Jesus is going to make us have a call. He's going to call you to one way or another way. So when we look at this, we need to understand, I need to start being marveled by what's going on with Jesus. So how do I get back to, to being marveled, astonished at the story of Jesus? Well, actually, put yourself in one of the characters. Because too many times we'll read something or we'll look at it like it's a TV show or a movie. Because then you can look at it like, oh, if you don't like it, just change the channel. But put yourself in the story. So if you're a lady, imagine yourself as Mary. Now, as much as you love your kids, imagine God saying, you're going to have my son through the Holy Spirit. How much more would you treasure what's going on inside of you? How much more would you take care of making sure you're eating the right things, you're getting the right exercise? This is the son of God up in here. I got to make sure things are going well with him. You'd keep all the nastiness away from you. You'd do all you could to protect that son of God. Imagine if you were Joseph. You were one of the guys here. And the love of your life is pregnant by somebody else. And she said, that was God's baby. And you're like, what? Seriously? But yet, instead of being angry, frustrated, wanting to kill her, wanting to divorce her, you say, you know what? That's fine. I'm going to take care of you and that baby. Think about from his point of view. See, this is how we can not be numb to Christmas. Put yourself in the role of these people. What about one of the wise men? You don't know. Let's follow the North Star. Where are we going to follow this thing to? We may fall off the planet. We're just going to just trust God? Yes, just trust God. See, so put yourself in one of these characters, and that will allow you to start being a marveler of the Christmas story. Amen? So number one, we've got to be a marveler. Number two, we need to become a mover. We need to become a mover. Again, in Luke 2, verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Drop down to verse 38. It says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon was moved by the Spirit, and he did something. Anna, moved by the Spirit. She was moved, so she went up to them. Guys, we've got to become movers. We can't just sit and hope and wish things would be different. You think about Mary. She was moved when the angel said, you're going to have a child. Not through man, but through the Holy Spirit. May it be as you say. She was moved. I'll do whatever you say. Yes. Again, Joseph, he had a dream and said, get up, take your wife, and go to another country. He didn't wait three months in prayer and fasting. He got up, and they moved to another country. You look at the shepherds again. The angel said, let's go to Bethlehem and find out what's going on. Let's do it. Get on the camels, go on out to Bethlehem. That's a long ride. They didn't have subways and Amtraks and all that stuff. They had to get on the camel, go on a long ride. They became movers. Listen, when God prompts you to do something, how long does it take for you to do it? How many excuses come up in our mind? I'm going to get back to it. You know what? I, 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 I'll do it tomorrow. And then the most famous one, what had happened was, that means here comes the lie. When they say what had happened was, that means the next phrase is a lie. But I'm struck by what Simeon told Mary. Again, look at verse 34. This child is destined 
to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. You know what? Jesus is going to be that stone that either you build your life on or he's going to become that stone that crushes and you crumble. You're going to build on him or he's going to be something that makes you stumble and fall. It's either rise or fall with Jesus. That's what Simeon is saying. He's saying, your son is going to be the reason that's going to cause division. Because he's going to call people to a choice to go with him or to not go with him. There's no such thing as being neutral to Jesus. No such thing. That's why people say, well, I, I backslid. You didn't backslide. You chose to not be with Jesus. So either you are with Jesus or you're not with Jesus. And this is what was prophesied about him when he was six weeks old. He's going to cause the rising and falling of many nations. See, this is what this was about. The imagery of Jesus is incredible. We have to start becoming a marveler of Jesus and of his birth. That will cause us to be a mover in some kind of way. This will prompt you to do something. But guys, we need to not just let this go by and think, you know what? I should share my faith with somebody. Let me think about it. Maybe I'll catch him again at another store. No. Because when you're a marveler, you become a mover, which leads to our third point. You become a messenger. You become a messenger. Again, in verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anybody that said anything near Messiah, I got something for you. Anybody that talked about the coming of the Messiah, uh, the coming of Christ, anything, she said she talked to all who were looking forward to it. You know, honestly, guys, there's a lot of people that get caught up in the busyness of Christmas. But instead of looking at them as if, you know, you're so busy and you're doing all this shopping and all this decorating, we need to look deeper and see what is it really inside of you that's prompting you to do those things. Are you longing for a relationship? Are you longing to feel an emptiness? So you're going to do all these things? I have the real answer for you, and that's Jesus. We've got to look past the image that people put up. We all know how to be fake. Let's just be honest. We all know how to be fake, how to say the right things, how to make it look like our marriages are doing great, but at home you're crying yourself to sleep. We know how to make things look good. But we've got to look past that outer shell and realize what's really going on in people's hearts. People need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. In a nutshell, Christmas is marvelous, is moving, and it's the message that we need to get out. Let me close here with a story for us. Many years ago, there was a very wealthy man who shared a passion for art collecting with his son. They had priceless works like Picasso and Van Gogh adorning the walls of their family estate. As winter approached, war engulfed the nation, and the young man left to serve his country. After only a few weeks, his father received a telegram. His son had died. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season had vanished with the death of his son. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the depressed old man. As he walked to the door, the masterpiece of art on the walls only reminded him that his son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hands who said, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. The soldier motioned that he was an artist, mentioned that he was an artist, and then gave the old man a package. The paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. Though the world would never consider it a great work of art, a great genius, 
This painting featured a young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man hugged the portrait, hung the portrait over the fireplace, pushing aside millions of dollars worth of art. His task completed. The old man sat in his chair and spent Christmas gazing at the gift he had been given. The painting of his son soon became the most prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces of art of which the museums around the world clamored for. The following spring, the old man died. The art world waited with anticipation for the upcoming auction. According to the will of the old man, all the artworks would be auctioned off on Christmas Day, the day he received the greatest gift. The day soon arrived, and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled that day. The auction began with a painting that was not on the museum's list. It was a painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, but the room was silent. Who will open the bidding at $100? No one spoke. Finally, someone said, who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's move on to the good stuff. The auctioneer responded, no, we have to sell this, this one first. Now, who will take the son? Finally, a neighbor of the old man offered $10. That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. The auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold. Cheers filled the room, and someone exclaimed, now we can bid on the real treasure. The auctioneer looked at the room filled with people and announced that the auction was over. Everyone was stunned. Someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a painting of someone's son. There are millions of dollars worth of art here. What's going on? The auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. This puts the message of Christmas in perspective. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. There's a lot of things that look great out there, but they're meaningless in comparison to the Son. I love you. Let's have a great time, and to God be the glory.